Listener supported. WNYC Studios. From WNYC Studios, it's Brian Lehrer, a daily politics podcast. It's Wednesday, September 21st. Now, Sarah Koenig, executive producer of the Serial series of podcasts and host of the groundbreaking first season back in 2014. And as many of you will remember, it was a reexamination of a murder case in which a teenager was sentenced to life in prison for a murder of his former girlfriend that he has always claimed he did not commit. Well, maybe you've heard that the conviction of Adnan Syed was vacated this week, and he walked out of prison after 23 years. Sarah Koenig was among those in the courtroom, said she didn't see it coming, and released an eight-years-later new episode of Serial yesterday, which included this soundbite of Adnan Syed's lawyer, Erica Souter, after the ruling. Today... My friend and client Adnan Syed walks free for the first time in 23 years. And with serial bed music in the background, of course, there, Sarah Koenig joins us now with her take. In the new episode, I'll give you this context first. She says the case contains just about every chronic problem our system can cough up. So, Sarah, I know you're very much in demand right now as such a lead journalist who has covered this case. So thanks for making some time for us today. Welcome back to WNYC. Thank you so much. And I want to make sure we recognize the victim of this murder first, Heyman Lee. So for people who do not know the basics of the murder of Heyman Lee and the trial of Adnan Syed, who was she and why did Adnan first become a suspect? Um, she was a high school senior at Woodlawn High School, a classmate of Adnan Syed's. They were boyfriend and girlfriend for a while, for quite a while. Um, and they had- And we should say up. Woodlawn, that's Woodlawn in Maryland, not Woodlawn in the Bronx, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's it's just outside Baltimore City. It's in Baltimore County. And um, yeah, she, you know, 18 years old, she- you know, by all accounts of everyone I've ever spoken to about her was, you know, a bubbly, energetic, smart, great athlete, just a great friend, you know, wonderful young 18 year old girl. So that's what I know about her. Um, and the circumstances of her, her murder were that she sort of disappears after school one day, nobody knows where she is. The, her family calls the police very quickly because it's very unusual for her not to be, you know, home by a certain time. And they look and look for her. And I think it takes them about six weeks. To, they finally discover her body buried in a sort of shallow grave in a in a city park. And um, then Adnan is arrested, I want to say, within a few weeks of that. And they look at him for several reasons. It's a, a little bit technical, but but they first talk to some other people that they realize are connected. And then they pretty quickly turn to Adnan, both Adnan and another, her current boyfriend at the time. They 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 start looking into both boyfriends. And then they they get a they actually got a um they say they got an anonymous call from somebody saying you know, look at Adnan. And that's that's why they sort of initially really turned to him. And as the prosecutors recently learned, that was not the only call they got. And <laughs> we'll get to that part of the story. But to be clear about what happened in court this week, 
the conviction was vacated, but Adnan was not exonerated. What's the difference? So what that means is that what the judge is saying is like, okay, the the conviction, the jury's decision is now uh, undone. Like we're reversing that. So he is not convicted of this crime, but they what she didn't do and what nobody asked for is for them to drop the charges. That would have been an exoneration. Um, but but they didn't do that um, because they are continue, they're saying they're continuing to investigate this case and they don't know everything yet. And so they, they kind of have a hold on him for 30 days. They have 30 days to either, you know, initiate a new trial, which is impossible as far as I can tell, or um, what's called null pros, the, the, the charges, which is to drop them. And many people relate to this as a true crime drama that now has a major new chapter after they became acquainted with the principals in this case through the original serial in 2014. These are your fans. But I think you're focused on the more structural issues here. And I mentioned in the intro that you said the case contains just about every chronic problem our criminal justice system can cough up. And let me just read to the listeners the list that you then rattled off. Police using questionable interview methods. Prosecutors keeping crucial evidence from the defense. Slightly junky science. Extreme prison sentences. This was a teenager sentenced to life, after all. Juveniles treated as adults. And how grindingly difficult it is to get your case back in court once you've been convicted. So how much of that were you able to discover in your original investigation in 2014? I mean, uh... Let me think. All of it, I think, all of it, I think, except for um, I didn't know that prosecutors, you know, if it is true that they withheld evidence, evidence this explosive, like that's potentially exculpatory. If they withheld that from the defense, that is huge. I did not, I wasn't aware of that at the time. And, and that, you know, if we're talking about sort of larger, issues here, the, you know, this, this, this has come up, you know, a lot of people are talking about it right now, which is great. And Adnan's attorney, Erica Suter talked about it um, on Monday as well. Like she, she was talking about these statistics of, of the 3,000 or something exonerations we've had in this country, like 40 something percent have involved prosecutorial misconduct like this Brady violations, us, which means withholding, you know, evidence they're supposed to turn over. And she was saying in Baltimore and the they've had a bunch of exoneration cases in the last decade or so, like maybe 10 or 11 of them. She said in 80% of those cases, there were, there was prosecutors withholding exculpatory evidence. I mean, it's so, yeah, I feel like don't get me started, but it's, yeah. Well, I want to get you started on a little bit more actually on, on that particular piece of, of um, revelation, I guess it's the thing that I found most shocking. So this is where we get back to those, phone calls to prosecutors, you now know that there were two calls to prosecutors in, uh, I guess, back in the day, uh, Mm -hmm. this murder was in 1999, about a guy the state overlooked, Mm -hmm. uh, a suspect who threatened at one time to make Hey Min Lee disappear, and that's what they failed to turn over to the defense. How much do you know about the information in that call now? So I really don't know more than that. So yeah, I think there, I can just say there were two calls. They came some months apart. 
So one comes before he was tried twice, actually. The first was a mistrial, and then they try him again. So the first call, the first call comes before his first trial. The second call comes before his second trial. Um, one of them, one of the calls says, you, you know, hey, you should be, you should know this, this guy had a motive. This other person had a motive. The other call seems like maybe it was more explicit, saying he he, he had a motive and and had made a, you know, had been heard to make a threat against her. I don't know if that was in passing. I don't know if that was directly to her. I don't know anything about it, but like saying he would he would make her disappear and he would kill her. So that's all I know. And and they have they've identified two suspects actually who they're not naming. I have my ideas about which I know who they are. I know who these individuals are. I don't know who the calls pertain to. I have a good guess, but I don't mm-hmm. want to I don't want to say something I don't know. But that's what I know about the calls. And they were memorialized just, you know, in somebody's handwriting. They think it was probably the lead prosecutor on the case. They can't be sure. Um, But it looks like it matches a ton of other writing in the file. So they know it's not just a random thing. And they did follow up on it. And, you know, sort of extensive notes. And they followed up on it. And they found it to be credible. And you do kind of tease us in the new podcast episode by saying, and you just said it again, you know who the two possible alternative suspects are in the case, but you won't name them because they haven't been named by the justice system, so it would be unfair to them, you feel. But you do suggest that these people have unsavory things in their records that have nothing to do with this case. How how far can you go with that here? Um, I can say that one of them um, does have a a criminal record that that to me is, is... as a layperson, looks much, much less concerning. Um, so that guy um, is, uh, y- you know, he he was looked at by police at the time pretty intensely. He was a very early suspect. He was cleared by polygraphs. Um, the other guy has a very disturbing uh, criminal record and is currently in prison for sexual assault, for a series of sexual assaults. Um, so that's what I can say about them. Michael in Jersey City. You're on WNYC with Sarah Koenig from Serial. Hi, Michael. Hi, guys. Uh, Sarah, I love all three seasons. Uh, season three is my favorite, actually. Um, my question for you is, if Adnan didn't commit this crime, and I feel like you already alluded to this, wouldn't it have had to have been Jay since he admitted to being involved in burying the body? Thank you. Michael, thank you. And and for the listeners who don't know the details of the case, let me give a little more here, Sarah, and correct me if I'm if I'm giving incorrect context. Because uh, I was wondering too how you best account now for a non's friend Jay's testimony at the time, which was so key to a non's conviction, basically saying he helped a non bury. Heyman Lee's body, and you call his testimony shaggy in its credibility, um, but how do you answer Michael's question? Wouldn't it have had to have been Jay in that case, or do you have a take on why he would make up such a thing and testify to it if it never happened? Um, I will say no. The answer to that is it does not have to have been Jay, and Jay is not one of the two suspects the state is looking at right now, um, so I just want to be very clear about that. Um uh, and as to why he tells the story he tells, like, I have no idea. 
I, I just don't know. I think that is a huge question for the state right now as well from the prosecutor's office. Um, you know, I talked to them on background and, and that is something that they don't understand um, either. So I, yeah, but no, it's, it's not a, it's not a binary like that. Like Steve, either a non or J. It's not Stephen like in Washington Heights. You're on, but, but it just to button up the thought, it, it's a huge outstanding mystery, right? Why a teenager it, at it, the time would have claimed to have been involved in the burying of a body if that never happened. Um, uh, <laughs> I want to be very, very careful about what I say. I, I, here's what I will say. I don't know if all of what Jay said is true or, or, or false or some of it. Some of it could, you know what I mean? It could be a mix. It's just not clear. But but what I will say is I think um, there is a renewed look now at the detectives who investigated this case um, in their motion to vacate that they filed last week. They they spend a little time at the very end looking at this one detective, William Ritz, who was one of the two detectives on the case and his subsequent sort of bad acts uh, in, in a, one particular case where he um, manipulated evidence, falsified evidence, massaged things, didn't look at other suspects when he had good reason. To. So I think that that is a path they, the state is beginning to go down is to really look at like, wait, wait, wait. And this is the guy, one of the guys who, who had um, interrogated Jay at the time or interviewed Jay multiple times. So I think they're starting to maybe go down that path of like, wait, what happened here? And we point out in the show too, um, and we had a, an expert come on and stuff and talk about the detective work in this case. And that was when, you know, it, it was clear to me, like something weird was going on in those interviews mm -hmm. for sure. Um, so. And I will say that half the callers on the board are asking some version of, what about Jay? How do you explain Jay? So you just did to the best of your ability, probably the best of anybody's ability who isn't actually Jay at this point. Stephen in Washington Heights, you're on WNYC with Sarah Koenig. Hi, Stephen. Hi. Um, my question is, uh, in the original serial uh, podcast, um, Adnan's mother uh, suggested that there was um, anti-Muslim bias within the police department and prosecutor's office. And in the podcast, you said you do not see any of that. Um, has that changed at all with sort of the um, information of prosecutorial misconduct? Um, so I don't think I'm trying to remember exactly what I said. I think I said in the beginning, I was like, ah, that can't be like that's that doesn't seem right. Like, why would they just pluck this kid? And then I look into it and and there's a lot of stereotyping of um you know what a what a sort of muslim man how, how a muslim man might behave so there there was in the way they framed the case there was definitely islamophobia i would say i think and i think they played on it to the jury um sorry i've forgotten the second part do oh does the brady does the the withholding evidence kind of add to that um maybe I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I, I want. You know, part of me is like, maybe they were just like, we've got our case. We're good. This is nonsense. We've already looked at, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know. Um, I think, you know, we also don't know. <laughs> I'm not ready to say the, um, 
you know, the background of these two suspects as well. So uh, anyway, I'll stop there. We'll leave it there. We have um, time for two quick questions. One is um, you, you downplay this in the new episode, but, you know, the you played a role uh, in in this, in bringing some justice, even, you know, after 23 years, it's it's limited justice. But, you know, you downplay your own role. You said this was part of a reexamination of many cases under a recently passed law in the state of Maryland that led a lot of cases to be looked at. And then they found all this stuff with the Adnan Syed case. But, but do you have any inkling that they might have just looked at it a little more carefully? They might have found stuff that maybe if they were just glossing over it a little bit more, like maybe they would do with so many cases to go through, that if it wasn't for you, they might have missed it? I, I mean, this is one of the things that makes me crazy. Everything that they are saying now that they have found and I think I say this at the end of the, the episode we just did, it's like they either knew it or should have known it or could have known it 20 years ago, 23 years ago. And that's what's it should be, you know, upsetting to everybody is that like, look how much energy and how many resources were poured into this one case that yes, becomes popularized by the show we did. And then all these people start looking at it and finding more stuff. And that's great, you know, but but when you think about the problems that we talked about in the beginning of, that are systemic here, this is happening in so many cases that aren't getting this attention and aren't getting these resources. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I tried to fit it in the show and I couldn't on, in the episode, but she she was so powerful at the end where she just said, Adnan is one of many. Adnan is one of many. And I'll quote you back to yourself one more time. You said in the new episode, even on the day when the government publicly recognizes its own mistakes, it's hard to feel good about that because all these problems were known to prosecutors when the case was first heard, and it took more than 20 years to self-correct. So, Sarah, last question. Serial was born as a spinoff of This American Life, as some of our listeners know, and now Serial Productions, with you as executive producer, is part of the New York Times company. So just tell people what you have coming up and how you see your journalistic place in the world going forward. <laughs> I don't know about the second thing, but I can tell you what we're working on. Um, we have a new show coming out October 13th. It's called We Were Three. And it is by Nancy Updike, who is just an incredible uh, reporter and writer. And she's been with This American Life since it started back in 1995. So she's just a great uh, friend and colleague, and she's got a great show coming. And then about a month later, we are um, trying to put out a show. I mean, we hope it's about a month later, so mid-November sometime. Um, it's our first show that we're actually doing with a New York Times reporter since we we you know, mm. joint. Um, it's with uh, investigative reporter Kim Barker. And um, we don't have a title for it yet, but that's coming, <laughs> we hope, in November. And then I'm working on a new season of Serial along with Dana Chivas, who, you know, worked on the first couple seasons of the show with me. And uh, it's about Guantanamo, actually, and it's, which is a, a thing that a, a subject that Dana and I have been interested in for a really long time and have been reporting on sort of on and off since 2015, actually, and we're finally um, making a show, in part because 
people are finally starting to really talk about it in ways they weren't back when we were trying to report it. Um, so that's what I'm working on. That's a lot. You're busy. Sarah yeah. Koenig from Serial, thanks for making some time for us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Brian Lehrer, A Daily Politics Podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, if you want to listen live at WNYC.org. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you next time. Thank you.